The name of the message today is The Lord Reigns. The Lord Reigns. Turn, if you would, to Psalm 93. Psalm 93. And we will look at this psalm. It's a psalm with five verses. Five verses. Psalm 93. And the theme throughout this psalm is that the Lord reigns. That he reigns. Psalm 93, verses 1 to 5. We'll read those. The Lord reigneth. The first declaration in the psalm is the fact that the Lord reigns. This is not up for debate. This is not up for argument. It is a fact proclaimed in the Holy Scriptures. The Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength. Wherewith he hath girded himself, the world also established that it cannot be moved. Psalm 93, verse 2. Thy throne is established of old. Thou art from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters. Yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. Thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. Now in times like we find ourselves currently in, with a global pandemic occurring, and many of us having to stay indoors, or unable to meet in the churches that we usually meet in, how much comfort and how much peace can we who are the people of God glean from this short psalm? Note how in the first verse, the sovereignty of God, the absolute sovereignty of God thunders forth. Just in the first three words alone, Psalm 93, verse 1, the Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength. Wherewith he hath girded himself, the world also established that it cannot be moved. Now think upon this. Let this, let this discomfort your soul, beloved. During this time of global pandemic, this time of an epidemic of anxiety with people, let this discomfort your heart. The Lord reigneth. It's a fact. It's a statement. Again, it's not up for debate. The Lord reigneth. It does not matter what opposition may arise. His throne is unmoved, beloved. He has reigned from eternity. He does reign right now through all these circumstances that we're going through. And he will reign forever and ever. So let the people of God rejoice at this wonderful truth. Whatever turmoil, whatever rebellion there may be beneath the clouds, the eternal king sits above in all supreme serenity and everywhere and over everything he is master. He is master over all. Let his earthly foes rage, and they do. Let his spiritual foes rage. Let them rage as they may. We who are the people of God, we find great comfort in the fact that our great God has ordered all things that are occurring according to his eternal purpose and according to his wise decrees. His will will be done. 
And we who are the born-again, blood-washed saints of God, we proclaim the truth of this verse from regenerated hearts. We proclaim the Lord reigneth. We proclaim this with joy in our hearts, don't we? With joy in our hearts. The Lord reigns. He reigns. What can give greater joy to a loyal subject of a king than a, a sight of the, of the king in his beauty? Than just the sight of a king in his beauty. And may we who are the people of God by faith behold our great king. Behold our great redeemer upon his throne. Behold our great God sitting upon his throne, reigning and ruling. And may we shout aloud, especially at times like we're currently in, may we shout aloud as the Lord opens a door of utterance for us with other people. May we shout aloud, the Lord reigneth. He reigns. And then note the verse continues. It says here, he is clothed with majesty. It says the Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength. Wherewith he hath girded himself. The world also established that it cannot be moved. Note that our Lord is clothed in majesty. Not with the emblems of majesty. No. But with majesty itself. Everything which surrounds him is majestic. He is not the semblance of sovereignty but the reality of sovereignty. He's not just a picture of sovereignty, but he's the reality of sovereignty. And this is true in nature. He's sovereign over all. This is true in providence. He's sovereign over all. And this is true in salvation. He's sovereign over all. Salvation is of the Lord, the scripture proclaims. That speaks of his sovereignty. Our Lord is infinite in majesty, beloved. And this makes the people of God rejoice. And think of how our Lord appears in all his glory of his grace, conquering his people's enemies and subduing all things unto himself. Have we not seen even in our lives our enemies conquer? It's not us who's done it. It's the Lord who's done it for us. Our enemies subdued. It's not us who's done it. It's the Lord who's done it for us. He is absolutely sovereign. And do we not see our great king in the circumstances of our lives as sovereign over all things? When we look back at certain things in our life, when the Lord brings them to remembrance to us too, because he often does that. If things that we didn't think of, maybe, and, and then we look back now as believers and go, my oh my, look how the Lord protected me. Look what he got me through. Times in our lives of heartache, times in our life of great sorrow, he always takes his people through it, beloved. He'll never leave us nor forsake us, the scripture says. And he is clothed with majesty. He is sovereign and majestic. I ask you these questions here. Would God be God if he was not sovereign? No, he wouldn't be, would he? Well, would God be God if he was not all powerful? No, he wouldn't be. Would God be God if he were not all knowing? No. He wouldn't be. Would God be God if he, if he did not do things according to his own will and purpose? No. We know the answer to all those questions. The answer is no. Therefore, we can know that the God which religion professes, which religion proclaims, which cannot do anything unless man lets him or 
cannot keep those he supposedly saves unless they keep themselves? Or as religion says, God's not wholly sovereign over all things. He's sovereign over a lot of things, but not quite over all things. And especially, they say, not over the will of man. Well, we can conclude, therefore, then, that that's not the God of the Bible. Because the God that they proclaim does not reign unless man allows him to. My, oh my. We see from this verse alone, the Lord reigneth. And we also see that he's clothed with majesty. When it says he reigneth, that means he's absolutely sovereign, beloved. And he's clothed with majesty. He's clothed with strength, beloved. He's all-powerful. He's all-powerful, beloved. All-powerful over all things, everything, whether people believe it or not. That doesn't change the fact that the Lord reigneth. He reigns. And think upon this great truth when you hear these words of Paul. When he writes of all who have ever lived will one day stand before the great king, the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn, if you would, to Philippians chapter 2. We get a little glimpse of this in Philippians chapter 2. And we see the sovereignty of our great God on full display. Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. And then we'll go back to Psalm 93, verse 1. Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. That at the name of Jesus... That's our Lord, beloved. That's our Savior. That's our Redeemer. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue shall confess, even the ones that say he never existed, even the ones that despise his name, every tongue. Oh, and this is at the command of God. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Lord. That's a fact. You always hear us grace preachers say, we don't make him Lord. He's already Lord. And we see it proclaimed here. Jesus Christ is Lord. God made him Lord. He's God. And look look at this. Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. What? To the glory of God the Father. God will be glorified. Look, let's go back to Psalm 93 verse 1 and We see again, the Lord reigneth. There's the statement of his sovereignty. He is clothed with majesty. There's a statement that he's all-powerful. All-powerful. And it says again, the Lord is clothed with strength, which again speaks of his power again. He's majestic. He's sovereign. He has all power. And it says, wherewith he hath girded himself, the world also established that it cannot be moved. Now note in verse 1, that our Lord, that's Jehovah, where it says the Lord, That's Jehovah. That's the self-existent one. It says he is clothed with strength. He's clothed with majesty. And then the Lord is clothed with strength. My. Now the underlying Hebrew word for strength there is strength and power. It depicts the one. It depicts the one true God. The Lord. It depicts that he's all powerful. And think of this. I want us to think of this. The very God that's proclaimed here is the very God, the very God who led his people out of Egypt. The very God who right now is sitting upon the throne, ruling and reigning in majesty. The same God who with his strong arm of power delivered the Israelites from Egypt. 
the same God who with his strong arm of power parted the Red Sea so that his people could walk through on dry land is the same God who's on the throne right now and in full control right now, in full control right now over all things, including this virus and all the affairs of the world. He's over them all. He's in control of them. Beloved, our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Redeemer is clothed with strength wherewith he has girded himself just as he was when he came to this world, traveling in the greatness of his strength and his power, God incarnate in the flesh, mighty to save, and then bearing the sins of his people on Calvary's cross, the sinless one, dying for sinners. And he spoiled princes and principalities, and he obtained eternal redemption for us, his people. How? By the shedding of his precious blood. So truly, we can say with the psalmist, the Lord reigneth, he is clothed with majesty. The, the Lord is clothed with strength, with strength. Has he not proved to us, to we who are the people of God, that he's girded with strength, having bound the strong man, which was Satan, and disposed him and taking his place, regenerating the saints of God by his almighty power? We at one time were under the bondage, were under bondage to Satan, and the Lord has destroyed his power. And we still struggle with this body of flesh. But he's disposed the strong man, hasn't he? And as a result, we who are the people of God are strengthened in inward man. And he keeps us. How? By his almighty power. And he gives us faith to believe on him. God-given faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we live a life just trusting the Lord, don't we? Through all circumstances. Even though we're going through this situation where we're, we can't go outside, we're trusting the Lord just like we did a year ago, just like we did six months ago. And if the Lord allows us to live, allows us to continue in this life, we're trusting until the day we breathe our last breath, the same way. So truly, God's born-again, blood-washed people can say with the psalmist, the Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength, wherewith he hath girded himself. The world also established that it cannot be moved. And we see in this text that the world established by the Lord. The Hebrew word for this means it is fixed. Marvel that the same Hebrew word is used in verse 2. Speaking of the throne of God. Let's read verse 2. Thy throne is established. Same Hebrew word there is established in the first verse. Thy throne is established of old. Thou art from everlasting. God's throne, beloved, has been prepared from eternity. It's a fixed throne. The Hebrew word established again in verse 1 and established in verse 2, the same Hebrew word is used. It means to make firm, to establish, to prepare, to cause to stand in an upright position. And thus the word also means fixed or steadfast. My. So God's throne again has been prepared, fixed from eternity. Also Christ was set up and anointed king from everlasting. He's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and he has been appointed and prepared from eternity to rule it. And this is also true of his throne, which is spoken of here. It is from everlasting, 
from eternity. Never forget that our Redeemer is God. He's God the Son. He's as much God as the Father and he's as much God as the Holy Spirit. The three are one. So God's throne was prepared in the heavens. It's a fixed throne. It's an established one, beloved. And it is forever and ever. Just as his kingdom is what? An everlasting kingdom. And of his government, the scriptures say, there be no end. Our great God is from everlasting. Our great Redeemer is a divine person, is God, the Son of God. He had glory with the Father before he even came to this world. He was already a king. So we see this verse speaks of our great God's eternal existence. Verse 2, thy throne is established of old. Thou art from everlasting. It speaks of the eternality of our great God. His eternal existence. And remember, the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. The three are one. So again, let us have our eyes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us have our eyes to our great God, because it's he who reigns. It's he who is the glorious head of his church, who is here spoken of. And also we see reference to his mediatorial kingdom, and it's evident that he is alone the one who is clothed with majesty and strength. It is God the Father who has girded Christ with strength for the warfare and the human nature which the Son of God put on was of Jehovah's providing. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 10, where see that here. We know this truth from Scripture. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 to 7. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Let's read that one more time. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 to 7. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, this is speaking of Christ, he saith, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast no pleasure. Then said I, this being Christ, this being the Son of God, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book, it is written to me. This book is written all about Christ. The volume of the book speaks about Christ. Speaks about our great Redeemer. And why did he come? To do thy will, O God. To do that for his people, which we could never do. To fully satisfy the law of God in our place. And then, to appease the justice of God. Oh, which demanded that we must die. And then the Lord Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, dies in the room and place of his people. Hallelujah. What a Savior. What a Savior. So rejoice, Zion. Rejoice, you who are the people of God. Behold thy King. Behold thy King. The Lord Jesus Christ. He reigns in Zion. And not only does he reign in Zion, which is the church, uh, he reigns over all. Rejoice that the Lord thy God reigneth now and every day that the Lord gives you on this earth. Rejoice that our great God reigneth. All power in heaven and earth is in his hands. Oh my, how this can comfort 
the mind of the believer under every event that may arise in our lives, how this could comfort us. And that's why, that's why Paul said to keep your mind set on things above, being Christ. That's why he said that. Set your mind, set your affection on things above, Christ, and not on the things of this world. Again, you've heard me say this many times. Everything we see is going gonna, is gonna to one day be gone. Except we look above. We look to Christ who reigns right now. The scripture says the Lord reigneth. And that's right now. Right this second. He reigns. Oh my. The Lord himself is eternal. Let the believer in Christ rejoice that the government under which he dwells has an immortal ruler. The government in which we dwell, which is we're under God's dominion, aren't we? This government has an eternal ruler, an immortal ruler at its head, who has existed from all eternity. And of his kingdom, the scripture says, there shall be no end. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And one day, we who are the beloved of God, the born again, blood washed saints of God, will spend eternity with our great God in heaven. Where there be no more sin, oh my, no more struggle with the flesh. And we will love one another with, with a pure love, beloved with a pure love. Let's now look at verse three, where we will see vain are the rebellions of mortals against God and his kingdom. Think of this, kingdoms come and kingdoms go in this world. There have been many kingdoms that have rose up. Greece, Sparta was a Greek city-state, but they had a great kingdom. Greece at one time conquered much of the world under Alexander. Then the Roman Empire rose up. Oh my, the Persians once had a great empire, but all these empires are gone. And there's countries that rise up and then they be overthrown and a new leader rises up. My, oh my. Vain are the rebellions of mortals against our, our great God and his kingdom. Kingdoms come and kingdoms go on this earth, but all through time and into eternity, the kingdom of God is not shaken. The kingdom of God is not shaken. Look at verses three now look at this the floods have lifted up O lord the floods have lifted up their voice the floods lift up their waves now the floods here spoken of are the enemies of christ the enemies of christ the enemies of his kingdom the enemy of his interests we see they're lifting up their voice they're lifting up their voice the opposition made by them was fulfilled in the Jews and the Gentiles who raged like foaming waves of the sea against our Lord. They lifted up their voices and they cried, crucify him, crucify him. And this also occurred in the Roman emperors and in the 10 persecutions under them. It also occurred in floods of errors and heresies, which have come against the church all through the ages. Even today, the enemies of the church still rage against him, against Christ. We see that the wicked's voices are like waves, the scripture says, which brings forth the frequency and the violence of wicked assaults against the government of God. And we know this brings forth the repeated defeats also that they sustain at the hand of the Lord. Sometimes men are furious in words. They lift up their voice, and at other times they rise to acts of violence against the church or God's people, which is a picture of them as these waves, beloved. They lift up their their waves, but the Lord has 
full control over them in either case. The ungodly are, I like what Spurgeon said, the ungodly are all foam and fury, noise and bluster during their little hour upon this earth. And then the tide turns or the storm is hushed and we hear no more of them. Oh, how many times has that happened with the enemies of, of God? They rise up and then they're hushed. My, the kingdom of the eternal abides in greatness still and abides in almighty power no matter who comes against him. And the enemies of God open their mouths and blasphemy against our great God, against his blood-bought church, but they have no effect, do they? Now they can kill the body, but they can't take the soul, can they? And we're told to fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell, that being God. The enemies of God open their mouths and blasphemy against our great God, against his blood-bought church, but they have no effect. We see in verse 4 that our great God is mightier than them all. They're like gnats against him. <laughs> no effect. Less than that. They're less than that. And he will deliver them to eternal torment. He will deliver them to eternal torment where they will be heard of no more. Let's read verse 4 now. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters. Yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. So we see here a contrast between the enemies of God in our great God. The Lord is high above all, higher than the heavens. Oh, we see here in verse four, the Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. Man in the mountaintop of his power is nothing to the Lord, nothing to the Lord. Now men and women, they strive to have power in this world, influence in this world. Some people don't care who they step upon to get that. But look at this. All the power that they get is nothing. And we know that the scripture says in Psalm, Psalm 2, turn there if you would, in Psalm 2, that those who come against the Lord, here have them in derision, beloved. Psalm 2, verses 4 and 5. He that sitteth in the heavens, and where is he sitting? Well, he's sitting on the throne, isn't he? He's sitting on the throne. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision out of their minds. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Aren't you thankful, you who are the people of God, that he doesn't speak to us in his wrath because that wrath has been appeased at Calvary's cross in our mighty Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, in our place? Oh my, what a Savior we have. What a redeemer is Jesus Christ our Lord. When men combine to overthrow the kingdom of Jesus, when they plot secretly or rage against him openly, the Lord thinks no more of it. It's like noise of the, of the sea on a beach. <laughs> My. When a storm rises in the Atlantic, the wind will drive the weather on with magnificent force, doesn't it? And yet the Lord is still able to restrain those winds. So too with sinful men and women who are haughty and self-righteous and full of rage against the Lord. The Lord is able to subdue them and overrule their wickedness. Kings or mobs or emperors or wicked men are all in the Lord's hands. And he can forbid their touching a hair of the heads, a hair on the heads of his people. And let us never lose sight 
that our great God is, is God over this virus. He's God over all. He's in full control. And it will accomplish what he has set it to accomplish. And does it not show us, does it not reveal to us our utter dependence, we who are the people of God, our utter dependence upon the Lord Jesus Christ? It does, doesn't it? It reveals to us our utter inability to save ourselves, to keep ourselves. We are totally reliant on the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. And we say glory be to God because we know the Lord reigneth. We know the Lord is clothed with majesty. We know the Lord is clothed with strength. We know his throne is established. It's fixed. And what comfort that can bring us. Oh, what comfort that can bring us. Let us never lose sight, beloved of God, that our great Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the most high God. He's God over all. He's higher than the highest. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He's higher than the kings of all the earth. He's higher than all the rulers of this earth. And he's far wiser than the wisest man in this world. He is highly exalted. The Lord Jesus Christ is a mediator of his people. He's at the right hand of God, ruling and reigning in majesty. He is the mighty Savior. He is the mighty God. He is the Almighty. Therefore, he is mightier than all his enemies. The noise they make and the force they use he is stronger than all of them. He's stronger than the strong man. He's stronger than Satan and all his princes and principalities. He's stronger than them all. They are under his dominion, all of them. Princes, potentates of this world, he's over them all. There's nothing in this world that he's not over. The Lord, he reigns in majesty. He's clothed with majesty. He's clothed with strength and power. And he sits upon, again, a fixed eternal throne. And let's look at verse 5 now. Thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. Look at this. Thy testimonies are very sure. This speaks of our Lord's word, the Bible, the scripture. Oh, just as the throne of God is fixed beyond all rest, so is so in Revelation, his truth is beyond all question. Beyond all question. The teachings of men are uncertain, but the revelation from God in the scriptures are infallible, beloved. They come from he who is the eternal one. The author of the holy scriptures is the Holy Spirit of God. He moved holy men, penned the words that they penned. And the only reason they're called holy men is because they're in Christ. Outside of Christ, there's no one who's holy. No one. But all in Christ. Oh, we're holy. Set apart. Forgiven fully. Freely by the grace of God. It's magnificent. It's a wondrous salvation. The teachings of man are uncertain. Oh, but the word of God is infallible. Because again, it comes from he who is the eternal one. As rocks remain unmoved amid the tumult of the sea, we used to go to the coast out in Oregon and you'd see these huge rocks out in the water and they are unmoved. The waves are crashing against them and they are unmoved. Unmoved. Oh, and this is true of divine truth. It resists all the currents of man's opinions, doesn't it? Someone starts to give your opinion, say, I don't want your opinion. What does the word of God say? 
I say that all the time when I'm talking to people about Christ. They start to give me their opinion, but absolutely no scripture. And I try to be nice and try to be kind and try to have grace with them and say, I want it from the word of God. If I can see it in the word of God, I'll believe it. And that's where we should take people when they start talking. What does the word of God say? Where does it say that in the scriptures? Where does it say that? Show me. And then you can show them the truth and pray that God will reveal it to them. Pray that God will take those words and use them to reveal the truth of his absolute sovereignty to them. Of salvation is of the Lord. Oh my. Because this word is like those rocks. It's immovable. No matter what the opinions of men, no matter what men say, it doesn't change that this word is like those rocks amidst the crashing sea. Unchanging, immovable. Immovable. The word of God, beloved, is not just sure, it's very sure. Look at what it says here in verse 5. Their testimonies are very sure. Very sure. God's people, and, and God's people are taught this, aren't we? By the Holy Spirit of God. We're taught this by the Holy Spirit of God. We have not been taken away by cunningly devised fables, and that's all by the grace of God too, because it's he who teaches us and guides us into all truth. Oh my, no, the born-again, blood-washed believer in Christ. Our faith is grounded upon the eternal truth of the Most High, is grounded upon the Word of God. Thus saith the Lord. Again, what does the Scripture say about that? What does the Scripture say? And we are, we are to be like the Bereans. We're to search the Scriptures to see if these things are true. Oh my, God's testimonies and faithfulness are ever sure, beloved, just as his throne is. Now think of that. God's testimony and God's faithfulness are ever sure, just as his throne is. He has loved us, the scripture says, with an everlasting love. Oh my, my. Our Lord said, you've not chosen me, but I've chosen you. That was fixed in eternity, beloved. The verse closes here, verse five closes, with holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. Now we see Truth does not change at all. And his testimonies are very sure, the scripture says here. And we see his holiness does not change either. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. We see in this verse that the teaching and the character of God are both unaltered. God has not admitted evil to dwell with him and he never will. He will not tolerate it in his house. He is eternally its enemy and he is forever the sworn friend of holiness. Aren't you thankful that God makes us holy in Christ? The church is precious to the Lord. His blood-bought people are precious to him. They are clothed in his perfect spotless righteousness. And he who is their king, her king, her bridegroom, they are made holy by him. And he will preserve us. He will preserve his bride and she shall be kept forevermore by he who reigns, by he who reigns. And note, it Psalm starts off, Jehovah reigns, that's the Lord. The Lord reigns is Jehovah. The underlying Hebrew word, Jehovah. Note the verse, first of this Psalm starts off with the, the very words, Jehovah reigns. And that's the main doctrine we've seen through this whole Psalm. And then what? Holiness. It ends with the holiness of God. Divine sovereignty confirms the promises of God. And just as the testimonies of the Lord are sure, so are his promises to his people. 
They're sure. Search the promises. Grab them. Lay hold upon them. For they are for the people of God. And they will bring great comfort to your soul. They will give great strength to God's people. So we see how fitting this psalm is with our current events which are occurring. How fitting this psalm is to the saints of God in all ages and in all circumstances. It's written by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God to comfort the distressed, to calm the fearful, and to give strength to the people of God. Paul wrote again for us to set our hearts and minds upon Christ. And this is he who reigns. This is he who is spoken of in this psalm who reigns, beloved. This is he who is great and gracious. This is he who is a king over all his people. Our great God has all power. And we who are his people rejoice that it's so, don't we? We rejoice in that truth. We rejoice that it's so. The Lord reigns. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. May God be glorified through the preaching of his word. Amen.